Jaya Jaya Guru Dev Guru Dev Guru Dev Jaya Jaya Guru Dev Antara Srimad Bhagavatam Aki Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Spotless Purana Canto 1, Chapter 10, Text Number 15, Departure of Lord Krishna for Dwarka. Bridanga Sanka Beryascha Bridanga Sanka Beryascha Vina Panava Gomukaha Vina Panava Gomuka Dunduri Anaka Gantadya Dunduri Anaka Gantadaya Nedur Dubayastata Nedur dundubayas tatya. Vedanga sankhya bariyascha. Vina panava gomuka. Dunduri anaka gantadaya. Nedur dundubayas tata. Repeat. Madanga sankabriyas cha. Vina panava gomukaha. Dunduri anaka gantaraya. Nedur dundubayas tata. Hare Krishna, welcome. Okay, word for word, mridanga. Sweet sounding drum. Sanka, conch shell. Varya, brass band. Cha, and. Vina, string band. Panava, a kind of flute. Gomuka, another flute. Dunduri, another drum. Anaka, 
Kettle, Ganta, Bell, Adya, others, Nedu, sounded, Dundumbaya, of different types of drums, excuse me, other different types of drums, Tata, at the same, at, at, at that time, <coughs> excuse me, translation, and, perp- and there's no purport, so we'll read the next verse. Translation. By His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Shri Prabhupada Ki. Translation. While the Lord was departing from the palace of Hastinapur, different types of drums, like the Murdanga, Dola, Nagra, Dunduri, and Dundubi, and flutes of different types, the Veena, Gomuka, Beri, all sounded together to show him honor. Next verse, text 16. Prashad Sikara Kuru Naryo Dirikshaya Vavasru Kusmiya Kasnam Prema Vrida Simik Sanaha. Translation. Out of a loving desire to see the Lord, the royal ladies of the Kurus got on top of the palace, and smiling with affection and shyness, they showered flowers upon the Lord. Please repeat. Out of a loving desire to see the Lord, the royal ladies of the Kurus got on top of the palace, and smiling with affection and shyness, they, they, they showered flowers upon the Lord. Purport. Shyness is a particular extra-natural beauty of the fair sex, and it commands respect from the opposite sex. This custom was observed even during the days of the Mahabharata, i.e., more than 5,000 years ago. It is only the less intelligent persons not well-versed in the history of the world who say that observance of separation of female and male is an introduction of the Mohammedan period of India. This This incident from the Mahabharata period proves definitively, proves definitely, that the ladies of the palace observed strict parda, restricted association with men, and instead of coming down in the open air where Lord Krishna and others were assembled, the ladies of the palace went up on top of the palace, and from there they paid their respects to Lord Krishna by showers of flowers. It is definitely stated here that the ladies were smiling there on top of the palace, Checked by shyness. This shyness is a gift of nature to the fair sex, and it enhances their beauty and prestige. Even if they are of a less important family, or even if they are less attractive. We have practical experience of this fact. A sweeper woman commanded the respect of many respectable gentlemen simply by manifesting a lady's shyness. Half-naked ladies in the street 
do not command any respect. But a shy sweeper's wife commands respect from all. Human civilization is conceived of by the sages of India. Excuse me. Human civilization, as conceived of by the sages of India, is to help one free himself from the clutches of illusion. The material beauty of a woman is an illusion because actually the body is made of earth, water, fire, air, etc. But because there is the association of the living spark with matter, it appears to be beautiful. No one is attracted by an earthen doll, even if it is most perfectly prepared to attract the attention of others. The dead body has no beauty because no one will accept the dead body of a so-called beautiful woman. Therefore, the conclusion is that the spirit spark is beautiful. And because of the soul's beauty, one is attracted by the beauty of the outward body. The Vedic wisdom, therefore, forbids us to be attracted by false beauty. But because we are now in the darkness of ignorance, the Vedic civilization allows very restricted mixing of women and man. They say that the woman is considered to be the fire, and the man is considered to be the butter. The butter must melt in association with fire, and therefore they may, br- they may be brought together only when it is necessary. The shyness is a check to the unrestricted mixing. It is nature's gift and must be utilized. And it must be utilized. Omagana Tirandasya Jananjanan Salakaya Chakshun Militam Jaina Tasma Shri Guru Venamaha Shri Chaitanya Manobisham Shapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadantisva Padantikam. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master is opening my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my humble obeisances under the dust of his lotus feet. Namo Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prestaya, Bhutale, Shumati Tamal, Krishna Goswamini, Tenamani. Namo Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prestaya, Bhutale, Shumati Bhakti Vedanta, Swamini, Tenamani. Namaste, Sarasvati Devi, Gauravani Pracharine, Nirvisesha, Sunyavadi, Paschachidi, Shatarine. Vanchakalpa Thrubhaischa, Kripasinivasevacha, Patitanam Pavanebio, Vaishnavebio, Namo Namaha, Jai Shri Krishna, Chaitanya. Prabhu Nityananda, Shivaita, Gadadhar, Shivasari, Gora Bhakta Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So we're reading from Sriman Bhagavatam, the spotless Purana. This scripture has arisen in this dark age of Kali just to give us light, the light of knowledge, right? Darkness is compared to ignorance, ignorance and darkness. To be ignorant, you're in darkness. So light or knowledge brings us out of ignorance. It dispels darkness. Darkness can never overwhelm light, right? Darkness is merely the absence of light. But whenever light appears, it dispels darkness. This Srimad Bhagavatam has arisen in this dark age of Kali, to give us Krishna consciousness. To tell us who is Krishna exactly. And to give us so many nice stories and pastimes 
of Krishna himself. Things that he did 5,000 years ago. Things that happened in India. Not just uh, allegory or metaphor or a story or symbolism. These events actually happen. So we're reading a very special event as all of Krishna's events are special, right? Okay, the, the battle of Kurukshetra has just uh, been uh, uh, finished. Bhishma Dev has left his body. Yudhisthira Maharaj has been placed on the throne. And his brothers, younger brothers, are going to help him in being the help him to be the emperor of the whole world, right? So we've been reading about that through all these texts building up to this point. And so <clears throat> after Krishna was there, right? Krishna was there at the battle of Kurukshetra. He drove the chariot for Arjuna, right? Isn't that amazing? Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead said, I will not fight. I will not fight. And so the two sides came to him, right? Arjuna came to Krishna and Duryodhan, the evil uh, half-brother or, or cousin of Arjuna, who had usurped the whole kingdom, had usurped the uh, the leadership of the world. He'd stolen that from the Pandavas, from Yudhisthira and Arjuna. So Arjuna comes to Krishna and Duryodhan comes to Krishna and Krishna's laying down asleep. So when I think uh, Duryodhana was there first, and he was at Krishna's feet. But when Krishna opened his eyes, the first one he saw was Arjuna. So he said, okay, you've both come to me. You both want something. I'm going to let Arjuna pick first because I saw him first. And Duryodhana objected, said, but I was here first. It doesn't matter. That's my decision, right? So here's what you get. You can have me... Or you can have my armies. Krishna had massive armies, right? And so, Duryodhana was like, really upset. Because Arjuna was going to pick first. So he figured Arjuna would pick the armies. Arjuna said, I want you, Krishna. And Krishna, Krishna probably might have said, hey, I'm reminding you, <laughs> I'm not going to fight, okay? Arjuna, no, I want Krishna. So Duryodhana was delighted because then he got all of Krishna's armies, massive amounts of men, weapons, elephants, uh, strong fighters, in this great battle that was about to happen, the Battle of Kurukshetra. So we know what happens. The Battle of Kurukshetra happens, and who is victorious? Arjun and the Pandavas and Yudhisthira, because they had Krishna on their side. So even though they had lesser armies, they didn't have as many uh, great warriors, they still had incredible warriors, Arjuna, uh, Bhima. And uh, so they had incredible warriors on their side. And still, but because they, they were outmatched by Duryodhana and his army, but they won because they had Krishna on their side and because Krishna wanted that. So what happens before the battle? Arjuna says, I don't want to fight. I have to fight all my friends, my, my cousins, my leaders, my spiritual master who taught me the art of military arts. I have to fight my grandfather, Bhishma Dev. I won't fight. So Krishna says, wait a minute. Let me tell you about who you really are and what is the nature of yourself in relation to God and the material energy and the spiritual energy and what is time. And that's all explained in the Bhagavad Gita, right? 
Krishna spoke, what he spent maybe 20, 30 minutes speaking the Bhagavad Gita. When we sit down and read it, it takes longer, right? Because we have purports. We have Srila Prabhupada's explanation. You can't understand Vedic literatures without somebody explaining it to you who themselves understands it, right? I'm going to go do heart surgery. I'm going to walk in the hospital. I'm going to say, well, I have a book. I have a little, you know, practice manual. Can I do that and go through it? Of course not. You need an expert to teach you how to do heart surgery. So think about a subject that's even more uh, difficult to grasp, which is God, right? And everything. Can you imagine? This is, my, this is our goal, to understand God, the universe, time, everything. How can we understand that? Only by bona fide representatives of the Lord who explain this knowledge to us. That's why we read Srimad Bhagavatam and the purports of His divine grace. Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Srila Prabhupada Ki. It's very, very important to accept a spiritual master. Or at least accept authority, right? Accept authority. If you got a job, and you go into your job and say, well, boss, I don't really accept you. Supervisor, nah, I, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> How long do you last? Man, you're out of there so fast. Security, out. <laughs> you're escorted out of the building. You didn't even move your stuff in your office or cubicle or whatever, right? Authority. You can't walk on the street. What if you just walk around on the street and you're ambling around and cars are honking at you, almost hitting you? You're not only not following authority of the state to guide society, to guide the streets, right? To to give some order to life. You're also risking your own life, right? So if we don't accept the authority of the great scholars, the great leaders, spiritual leaders, the great persons that are sent by God Himself, like Sri the Prabhupada, like Lord Jesus, they're inspired persons. They're persons sent from the spiritual world sometimes to deliver knowledge of who is God. They're, they're, they come to help us because we're in so much ignorance, right? We feel we are our bodies. And Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada uses this in this section about the queens of Dwarka. They, I'm, scared, I'm sorry, the queens of Hastinapur. And he, he, he mentions how, you know, we have these bodies and the, the material bodies are, are attractive to the, to, you know, we're attracted to other bodies, right? And Srila Prabhupada begins by, you know, he, he gets an opportunity to explain that one of the most beautiful aspects of women is their shyness. And I never heard this before I came to Krishna consciousness. So this is really quite amazing. And I began to, to notice it as a, as a devotee when I first came here. You know, I would see some young women who were very, very shy. You know, they were very chaste. And, and I began to notice they had this attractive quality about them because they were so shy. And it's, it's really palatable. It's really understandable. You can sense how even, uh, and Prabhupada gives the example, even like a, a, a sweeper woman, a woman who is of like, 
you know, lower position or, or doing something that typically wouldn't command respect, right? A cleaning person. You know, still, if they're shy, that brings out an element of attractiveness or, and respect in, in men. And so, that, that sweeper woman is gonna command more respect than a half naked woman running around on the street, right? Or in the naked dancing club. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Srila Prabhupada, um, points out to us how, uh, this is kind of a hot button topic too, a little bit today, right? Men and women being separated. You know, a lot of women say, well, that's sexist. You know, that's not right. Women have the right to the same things as men, so they should be right next to men, and that that begins at school, right? Otherwise, they'll get a separate education. But actually, it's so much better for boys and girls to be separated when they study, because then they're not staring at each other. They're not trying to flirt, and, and, and as they get older, you know, they're early teen, teen, Adolescence, they want to, they want to interact with the opposite sex. So it's a great distraction from their studies, right? So it's better to separate them and say, look, after school, fine, go hang out with the girls. But before that, <laughs> you need to study this materials. You need to have a calmer brain so that you can figure out your studies. And this, this is also in, in, in the, in, in the perfect sense, I mean, today everything is, it's Kali Yuga, it's the dark ages, it's the age of hypocrisy and quarrel, it's the age of so much degradation. And a lot of the degradation comes from the unrestricted mixing of men and women, which can lead to unwanted progeny, unwanted children. And all these unwanted kids, they cause uh, a lot of discord in society, because they're not raised right. Right? They're not raised with a nice mother and father and they get all the kind of nice things that they should get. So instead, we're all stuck with this difficult upbringings, right? Instead of it being like it was in the, in, in Krishna's time. And Prabhupada points out that, you know, some people try to say that this, this, this separation of men and women only started with Muhammad and the, the Islamic period in India. But it's not true. It, this custom was observed even in the days of the Mahabharat, 5,000 years ago. So this, this, this strict, uh, separation of men and women, even after the women are married, even, these were the queens of, of the, of the, of the leaders of, of the, uh, of the Pandavas, right? They, even they, would stay separate. They wouldn't just say, well, that's my husband and he's meeting Krishna, I'm just gonna go, and and I can stand next to my husband and see Krishna off. No, they went to the roof of the palace, right? And then they showered flowers down, a great sign of respect, right? To show respect. Because Krishna was leaving Dwarka, was leaving Hastinapur for Dwarka. And so we're going to read how this is heartbreaking. The devotees' hearts are breaking when they see Krishna leave. And they had asked Krishna to stay on in Hastinapur a little longer after the war. Krishna was anxious to get back to Dwarka because he has queens and he has his close associates there too. So he wanted to associate with his, his loved ones in Dwarka as well. He's just spent all this time 
with the Pandavas and he loves them, but now it's time Krishna, you know, shares his love. So they they're they were so grateful that Krishna stayed a little longer. And so now they're all saying goodbye. And we heard in the first verse that I read that uh while Krishna while Lord Krishna was departing, different types of drums sounded, flutes to show him honor. And then the ladies get up on the, the roof of the palace and they shower down flowers. And this this uh, concept of shyness, of separation, that that is a natural beauty of women. It's a natural quality that's very, very attractive in women that have it. Srila Prabhupada then begins to uh, let us know that the, the, the material beauty of a woman is an illusion. Because actually the body is made of earth, water, fire, air, etc., but because there is the association of the living spark within matter, it appears beautiful. So without the living spark, something's not attractive. You can make an earthen doll, right? You can get a mannequin. You can dress it up, make it look like a beautiful woman. But it's not the same, right? Now, this is a degraded age. Some people develop fetishes and they can try to like, it's very artificially, right, be attracted to some some inanimate object but that is completely you know gross and weird right it's just not normal <laughs> it's normal to have a association with the opposite sex with other people and so that uh is shows that what we're attracted to in someone else is their spiritual spark their life air the fact that they're a living being right it's not just the beauty right because you you know it's obvious. So Prabhupada is pointing this out because sometimes we get too wrapped up in the body, right? And we get too attracted to things of, of the body. And it's like, wait a minute. This is just the body, you know? It's going to grow old. It's going to get diseased. And it's going to die. So what's more important is to understand that that what we're really attracted to is the spiritual spark. And especially when we love someone. We love that person for much more than just their appearance, right? It's something within their personality, their character, their qualities, their essence, their soul, who they are. And so the Vedic, you know, so, so we don't want to be attracted by what probably is false beauty because we're in the darkness of ignorance, uh, right now. There's a mixing of men and women very unrestrictedly, but, and we're not saying that men and women can't, can't, can't be together for certain purposes. No, of course, doing service, be getting married. But we have to always be careful because there's the butter and there's the fire example, right? Men are like butter, like ghee, right? Clarified butter, ghee. Butter, what, what's butter in its natural state? Um, I mean, it's like, it's thick, right? It's, 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 it's almost a solid. But if you put a little bit of heat on it, right, it starts to melt and falls apart. So you keep it in the refrigerator. <laughs> you keep it cooled off, right? <laughs> we have to do this, right, as men. Keep cool, <laughs> right? Cold showers, right? Stay cool. Don't get heated up with attraction. And so as butter is kept cool, it's in its, it's in a state where it remains solid. But, if it mixes too much with the opposite sex, if it becomes too attracted, it begins to melt. 
And this melting is dangerous because then we're not in our normal controlled state, right? And so the uh, we don't want to melt. And everyone's felt this when they're attracted to somebody, they're attracted to they're a, a beautiful girl. Oh, you just, you melt, right? Oh, God, she's so beautiful, right? Nowadays, less so, because we're devotees. We're developing some detachment. We're, some of us are married. Some of us are renounced. And we know that attraction is not where it's at, right? It, it is a false illusion. It's not going to give you the happiness you expect. Because you think, oh, this woman's so beautiful. Let me meet her. Let me talk with her. And, you know... All of the difficulties, difficult karmic reactions can come from uh, if you're sinful, you know, things like this. So, so we begin to understand that actually there's a proper place for the opposite sex in our lives. And for, for that means to be in the right varna and ashram, right? So we need to be in the proper position to associate with the opposite sex. Sometimes uh, we're very renounced. We don't need to be married, right? It's okay. We're not we're not affected by sex attraction by the opposite sex. Okay, you can be renounced. Others of us, we're attracted. We need to be. And if you're attracted and you can't, you know, you're having some uh, questions. You know, how do I control this? Get married. Excuse me. Get married. Because then when you get married, you see the reality. Oh, this is this this is a woman. It's a beautiful body, but there's 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 a there's a soul inside it, and I'm attracted to the person because I married her. But at the same time, you begin to see how they have all of their uh, wants, dreams, desires, and the difficulties that they're in, experiencing in the material world, right? And then you have to help that person, right? You have to help them to be Krishna conscious. You have to help them with, with shelter, food, clothes, children. The first thing the wife says is, right, where's our house? Where are we going to live? Then, okay, got some nice things. I need some clothes. I need a car. I want a job. I want to work at home. I'm not staying at home unless I have kids. Give me a kid. I need children. So all of these things come with so much burden and responsibility. And it's a good burden, right? It's a good responsibility for most of us, right? Some react badly to it. They can't handle it. So there's divorce. They leave the family. The children's are left. You know, it's not good. But once you get married, you stay married. And then you learn from it. You learn. And then it's it's actually becomes like a boat that carries you over. The, the, the waters of Kali Yuga, the, 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 the difficulty of the material world. You can get above that suffering of the material ocean, right? Of suffering by being in a good boat. And it, and marriage and family life is a good boat because then you're not, you know, if, if you, if you're on your own leading down paths that can get you in trouble, right? So you stay married. Wow, I got this nice family. It's not always great. It's always a challenge. Sometimes I get upset. Sometimes the wife gets upset, right? It's part of life. But you're going to suffer that way on the outside world too, right? Even if you're not married. So if you get married and you're a devotee, for you do all of this for Krishna. So all of your effort raising a family is for Krishna. Your job. I can work my job. And that's that service to Krishna Wow. 
And then Krishna will backdate all of your efforts, right? So all you did to go to college or go to a trade school, everything you did to get to this point in your life where you're using the skills that you have now for Krishna consciousness, when you're using it in service to the Lord by serving your family or the temple or your guru or you're chanting the holy names, whatever you're doing to serve God, all the things you did in your life to bring you to that point, Krishna counts it as service. Wow, that is munificent, isn't it? Isn't that kindness? Isn't that really like Krishna's? I'm, I, I, Krishna is so pleased that we come to the temple and we come and look at him, that we chant Hare Krishna, you know, we have our japa, that we, we hear from, from Bhagavatam, that we come to class, that we hear from each other, that we talk to each other about Krishna, that we cook vegetarian food, we offer it to Krishna, then we get to eat the remnant and it becomes blessed because Krishna himself has tasted it. Krishna ate it. And so when Krishna eats it, it becomes transformed. It's not ordinary food. It's prashadam, which means mercy. It's the mercy of the Lord directly feeding us. And when we only eat Krishna prashad, we link ourselves in with Krishna so tightly, so tightly. We don't, we, we, we can control our senses. We can control our senses. It can be done, right? It's not easy, but it can be done. And, and how do you do it? A little bit each day, a little bit each day, right? We start out chanting. Okay, I'm chanting one round a day. I'm chanting five rounds a day. I'm chanting 16 rounds a day is minimum. Two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That will help us so much to purify our consciousness, purify our heart, and unwanted dirty things will come out and we can chop them down. We can cut them out of the garden, right? Get rid of the weeds that are choking our creepers, our bhakti lata bij. When you start to chant Hare Krishna, a little seed develops and that seed begins to grow after Guru initiates us and gives us this seed of devotion. And then the, the plant grows luxuriously by being watered by devotional service and chanting Hare Krishna every day, coming to the temple, chanting in group chanting, chanting our japa to ourselves. And then this bhakti lata bij is the key it's, it's how we develop pure love for Krishna. And one day, it, it, it grows so big and so long, it pierces the coverings of the material universe, and it, it goes through to Goloka Vrindavan, and it wraps around Krishna's feet. Our own Bhakti Lata Bij can do that. Isn't that amazing? The material, the coverings of the material universe are pretty massive, you know. Some of them are fire, water, earth, like, you know, billions of miles. Can you imagine that? Billions of miles of fire. Ah, just incredible. This knowledge is so wonderful. This knowledge is so incredible. And even a little bit of it is so beneficial, right? We're on the path. And so we want to be on the right path. And we want to stay on the path mostly, right? Because if you're on a mountain trail and you see, wow, uh, I'm on the trail. And you can kind of tell the trail. It's worn down. Maybe there's some signs. You know, there's foliage around. Or you're up in a rocky area. Hey, I know I'm on the path. But there's something nice I want to see over there. That looks cool. I could go down this canyon and see this river. There's, I want to go see that. You go off the path. Guess what? You find things you didn't expect. You find rocky terrain. You might fall. You might, and then there's no, you're not on the path. So there's nobody else coming around. There's no cell phone signal. 
you're in trouble, right? So that's the same for us as devotees. We want to stay on the path of bhakti. The good thing about bhakti, though, once you start the bhakti path, even if you fall off it, you're not going to be lost forever. Like if you're trying to, to, to hike in some mountain somewhere and you go off the path, you can be lost and you can die, right? You can, you can be just a short ways off a path. And if you fall and get hurt, you can die and no one's going to find you for weeks, months, years, or maybe forever. You can be, there's places that are that remote, right? If you're out there and you, okay, so, but on, with, with the path of bhakti, you're never, never lost forever, right? You may go off the path, but eventually you can still see it and you can decide, I want to go back to that path, right? And in fact, you will. If you go off the path, you will suffer, right? You will not get the enjoyment that you expected. You will be reminded that this material energy, that these material bodies are really not trying to enjoy our senses with the material body is not what it's cracked up to be. It doesn't bring you pleasure. It doesn't bring you what you really want. The pleasure we really want is only is only available in spiritual enjoyment when we perform devotional activities and we feel the pleasure of reading Bhagavatam, reading Srimad Bhagavatam, reading Bhagavad Gita, associating with devotees, hearing from Srila Prabhupada's purports. Is there is there any time that you don't just feel better having read a purport of Prabhupada? He's like put so much in it. There's knowledge, there's understanding, there he dispels our illusion. He, and it makes us happy. It's kind of like eating, right? When we eat, it takes away our hunger. It gives us pleasure. It does like five other things, right? At the same time. Because Krishna created it to do that. It's the same way with transcendental knowledge. It, it, it goes in our ears and it gets in our heart and it expands. It's, it's like, it's like, you know, smoke that goes in you and then the smoke expands in your lungs, right? And it, it, it just, it goes throughout our body and our mind and our consciousness. It affects our consciousness. So, and, and, and one of the most wonderful things about Srila Prabhupada's purports is how personal they are. Don't you feel like Prabhupada's your best friend? Like he's, he's, he's your, he's a, and he's not just like a stern, like your father or grand, somebody who's real heavy with you, your mother heavy, uh, do this. No, he's like funny. He's like, he's fun. Too. He can joke and he can he understands the great, great uh, mystery of human life and human beings. This is what comics, when a really good comic, a comedian, when they're, 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 their comedy is not based on silliness. It's based on under, making comments about human nature. That's the funniest stuff, right? When they're able to make jokes about human suffering, their own suffering usually, right? They can, that, and, and that, that's what we most, that it most resonates within us. It resonates within our heart and our mind and our consciousness. That, that, yeah, we've, you've got to see the humor in the suffering sometimes, right? You got to see the light at the end of the tunnel if you're in darkness. You, you have to, you, you can't just wallow in the, the difficulty or the sadness or the ugliness. Because if you do, you just give up and you're dead, right? No. You go through difficulties. You deal with it. You intellectualize it. You, you you think about it. What does it mean? How am I supposed to change? What is Krishna trying to tell us? Then, if you can make light of it, 
you can really understand it, right? You really don't understand it till you can make light of it or, or make fun of it. But I'm not saying you do that with everything. But I'm just saying that there's that, you know, I've seen this with great comedians. The greatest comedians have the ability to make comedy out of the human human character, practically. And Prabhupada is like that. Prabhupada is beyond, way, way beyond that. He understands the human character, the human nature so well that when he does make jokes, they are the funniest jokes you've ever heard. I mean, they're amazing. And his his... His understanding of human nature goes so deep. And when he gives the, that understanding to us in the purports, it is astonishing. It's amazing. It's so amazing to read how... What, and, and we're hearing the voice of Prabhupada. We're reading what Prabhupada himself you know, wrote down, what he spoke into that recorder and devotees took and put down on for us. And so... Um, it, there's just nothing better. And so I thought, um, maybe a couple minutes left, I wanted to, to read from I'll Build You a Temple by His Holiness Giriraj Swami. Does everybody know about this book yet? The Juhu Story. This is a copy. No, if anyone can see it, or if you're online or on phone. First of all, thanks for tuning in, and thanks you all for being here. We'll wrap it up pretty quick here. But I just wanted to mention this book and tes- testify. You know, everybody knows that testify, you know, go under oath, the judge, you know, promise to tell the truth. Yes, I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth. Okay, I'm going to testify to how amazing this book is. This is from Giriraj Swami Maharaj. He's a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. And he was in Bombay. In Bombay, there's a little, it used to be, like a little, uh, what would you call it, suburb, right, of Bombay. It's called Juhu. And it's on the beach. And all wealthy men would have getaway houses there, apartments and stuff there. So Prabhupada saw this one piece of land when he was younger and, and he was moving through Bombay and Juhu. He noticed this, this, this great piece of land, right, big, big lot, right, right by the, right by the sea, right by this, right by the, the water and the beach. And, and Prabhupada later on got a chance to purchase that after the devotees were preaching in Bombay, right? And they all said, Juhu? Why are we going out to Juhu? Let's build a temple in, you know, downtown Bombay. Prabhupada said, no, this is nice land. Krishna's providing this for us. And it was a massive effort. Massive battle. The, 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 the gentleman that was selling, that gentleman, the, the person that was selling the property to the devotees was a cheater. And he specialized in, in getting folks to, to stealing their earnest money, right? Their down payments and cheating them. He was a huge cheater, and he was he he owned a newspaper, so he he had all kind of political connections, and he can use all these machinations and all these things to put pressure on people. So he was a a horrible guy, actually, right? So he met his match though when he started to do business with Prabhupada, right? So Prabhupada wasn't going to accept defeat, and it and, and so this story is amazing. It's unbelievable, and you get the story through. The person of His Holiness Gary Rajswami. Gary Rajswami Maharaj Aki Jai. Unbelievable. Gary Rajswami Maharaj is a, is initiating spiritual master and he wrote this book for us. So take advantage of it. Read it. It is amazing. And it is so transcendental that I wanted to bring it up because as we live our lives, right? Every day, every week, we encounter different problems. 
infirmities of our mind or difficulties with other people or whatever, right? Oh, I don't feel like chanting today. Oh, this problem happened, that problem, this devotee, you know, job, life, you know, there's all kind of problems all day long, right? All week long. I don't pick up this book every day. Every couple of days I pick it. But when I do, every single time I pick it up, it answers my problem. <laughs> it is amazing. Why? Why does it do that? How can it do that? Because it is transcendental literature. Swami tells the story of the Juhu temple being built. Radharasa Bihari Dham. These beautiful deities. They got the deities first. They built the temple. But he tells the story and he weaves into it Srila Prabhupada's teachings. Srila Prabhupada's purport. Srila Prabhupada's very essence is, is, is woven into this book. Because he quotes Prabhupada constantly. He, he tells how Prabhupada, what Prabhupada said to him at this point, at that point, at this point, what Prabhupada, because, so it's about Prabhupada and the temple. It's amazing. So because it, it has Prabhupada and the philosophy and Krishna conscious, and because Giriraj Swami Maharaj is Krishna conscious, because he's a pure devotee, he can give us what he writes is so beneficial to us that it, 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 it is, it's the same as the Bhagavatam or the Bhagavad Gita because he's giving us the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam as he got it during this time with Prabhupada. So it's just truly amazing. And I wanted to just read one section. I don't know if I can find it. I might not. shouldn't say that. I'm going to find it. Where... It was this amazing and compact. Oh, it was the secret. It's the secret to success. Does anybody want to guess what is the secret to success as a devotee in Hare Krishna? There's a lot of them, right? But the one I'm thinking about, maybe you'll get it. Want to say anybody want to say anything? Just take a stab. What what is the secret to success in spiritual life? Chanting's there. That's one of them. There's one big one that, and I'm 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 being yes, following the instructions of the spiritual master, because that chanting's included within that. So if you follow the instructions of the spiritual master, your life is perfect. You will never be defeated. You will never you you will go back home back to Godhead in this lifetime. If you strictly follow the instructions of the spiritual master, then every everything you will get Krishna. Prabhupada guarantees that. I, I need to get the quote from the from the Bhagavad Gita. But Prabhupada promises it. And he says, and, and Krishna says. If I promise you something, I might take it back, right? Krishna says, don't listen to me. Because for past times, you know, Krishna has to do a lot of stuff, right? So he may say something, he may something, say something later, later on, right? But, but he, but Krishna tells us, if my devotee says it, <laughs> then you can bank on it. You can, it's guaranteed. Because my devotee said it, he goes, and I won't let that not be true. 
Krishna is that loves his devotees that much that he says, I won't, I, I, whatever they say must be. And Prabhupada said, he said a number of times, we're all going back to Godhead. <laughs> all the Iskans going back to Godhead. He didn't say when, right? Or like individually, we don't know when, but there were times that Prabhupada would be, was, was so happy because Krishna was so happy and Srila Prabhupada would write in some places, you know, if you follow this movement, follow the instructions of your spiritual master, you will go back home, back to Godhead. And that's the goal. And, and we, part of the instruction of the spiritual master is to try to give Krishna to others, right? So book distribution, Harinam Sankirtan, Prashadam distribution, new people come to the temple, we want to make friends, we want to say, what, what can we help them? How can, can we answer your questions? We'll give you a book. Please take a book. Please get something to eat before you leave. You know, please take some prashad. <clears throat> and that's all you have to do. The souls that are ready, they'll come back, right? <laughs> they'll stick with it, right? Y'all are sitting here. I'm here. I came one time and I got a plate of prashad, a maha prashadam from Mother Nandini. It was Srila Prabhupada's appearance day. And I had to, I was trying to leave early before the feast was served. She got me a plate to take home. I took it to where I was living and I, I started to honor it. It was unbelievable. My, I just, I couldn't, I'd never tasted anything like that. And I knew from that moment on, I'm going back. (laughs) This is for me. I'm sticking with this. And I didn't know anything. I need, I had read other Gitas and I knew a little bit about, you know, I came through Paramahamsa Yogananda's thing, you know, self-realization fellowship, trying to meditate. So I knew about gurus in India and a little bit of that. And that's a really good introduction. Uh, even though he's pretty much a Mayavadi, you know, he, he's helped a lot of, of souls come to Hare Krishna, you know. Um, and, and, uh, so my obeisances to all of my, uh, gurus that helped me when I was little and young and growing up and I was, you know, and, and we should, you know, we feel grateful to all the people that helped us to come here. So thank you for listening. We're so glad you all were here. Um, please, if you have any questions or comments, it's getting a little bit late, so maybe we'll go, let's go have Prashad. And, uh, but I really want to thank you all for being here. It's so nice to have an audience and it's so nice. I know people are tuning in and they're on their phone or they're on the radio or on the, the internet. So thank you very much for tuning in and please forgive any, uh, offenses or if I, I haven't explained things very nicely. But thank you very much. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki. Srila Prabhupada Ki.